Former Liberal MP Adam Vaughn claims that a photo from a Pierre Polyev rally was photoshopped. The media blame Will Smith's Oscar slap on intersectionality. Disney tries to sexualize little kids. And the Trudeau Liberals were flat out lying when they told you about their carbon tax schemes. It's Fake News Friday. I'm Kenneth Malcolm, and this is The Kenneth Malcolm Show. Thank you so much for tuning into our Friday podcast where we focus on the media and how they distort things, how what they are telling you is not true. And today we're going to do a bit of a deeper dive into the culture as well, because there's so many interesting cultural uh, things that happened in the past week that we want to talk about. So joining me as usual is my producer, Harrison Faulkner. He's a journalist here at True North and a producer on the show. Harrison, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Candice. Happy to be here. Okay, so this is this is kind of a funny one. We know that Pierre Polyev, he's running for leader of the Conservative Party, and he has been having these rallies that are very well attended. It's, sort of, it's interesting. He was on my show uh, last week. He t- he told me about how he was having big crowds at his rallies, and this is this is becoming true everywhere he goes. There is a huge interest, especially among younger Canadians, uh, interested in what he has to say. Uh, but for some people on social media, liberals on social media, uh, they just don't believe him. They see a big crowd and they instantly think that it must be fake and that it must be photoshopped so so you brought this one to my attention harrison adam vaughn uh, the reason we included this in fake news friday by the way is because so often the legacy media takes their cues from liberals on twitter usually people like gerald butts sometimes people like adam vaughn uh, making these claims and then lo and behold a few weeks later we'll see this, this storyline coming up in the legacy media so we wanted to cover this one today harrison why don't you uh, walk us through the story Yeah, so as you said, Adam Vaughn is sort of one of these useful leftist Twitter uh, Twitter personalities for the media now that he's now that he's no longer a sitting MP, and he really he really made a mess of this tweet here. Uh, uh, Pierre Polyev held a rally in London, Ontario. I believe it was like it was a noon rally on a Monday, and it was just it was packed in this uh, in this place in this in this sort of hotel conference room and it was it was completely packed to the brim and no one has really seen this in I think mainstream conservative politics at this level for for a leadership race uh, anyway Adam Vaughn basically wrote on Twitter that the people in the in the images of Pierre Polyev's rally were photoshopped in and he writes on Twitter he writes <laughs> one of the hardest parts of Photoshop is getting the shadows right they're all in the same room or are they he questions this 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 many shadows from different angles is odd especially when sunlight outside is backlighting the range of exposures and angles and then he compares the photo sorry to sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club club band the beatles album cover so my my first reaction to this candace was that for a liberal like adam vaughn who had never seen a crowd this large they must have been trying to figure out how this could possibly be the case how how someone could possibly be uh, be uh, you know attracting all these people to hear them speak because for them they're not used to that they're probably used to the range of what 20 25 people this looks like it's well into the hundreds uh Candace but um, I want to go through quickly some of the some of the Twitter reactions and then throw it back to you for your thoughts on this but uh, our own Andrew Lawton really went after Andrew Vaughn for this on Twitter he basically took a photo of a green screen studio and said, "Wow, Adam Vaughn, look at the size of this crowd out for Pierre Polyev," which I thought was which I thought was quite funny. And the uh, the, the the head of Rebel News, Ezra Levant, 
uh, <laughs> basically responded to Adam Vaughn saying this is a very odd conspiracy. What a what an odd thing to go down uh, and to try and to try and, and and paint. And obviously Adam Vaughn was quickly uh, debunked because videos of the event had surfaced and it was clear that no one was photoshopping anyone. This was just a made up weird conspiracy from the liberals. And Candace, I think they're panicking a little bit. Well, it's just, yeah, it's sort of a strange accusation because we all know like Photoshop is not that sophisticated. It's really hard to get Photoshop right. And the thought that like some, you know, volunteers on the Pierre Polyev campaign would have the time uh, to go out and put that together. The reality is when you're in a big ballroom, uh, there's lots of different lighting, right? It depends on where you're standing. And and some people are maybe right under a chandelier and so they'll have more light on their face. Some people might have light from like a side light. And the, the, the idea that some liberal is sitting there uh, dissecting this and, and convincing himself, like it, to me, it sort of shows the complete paranoia and almost psychosis of liberals sitting on Twitter that they, that they imagine things and they're so confident in their imagined perspective that they're willing to put it out there, uh, you know, thinking that they're going to get validated or something like that. Well, yes, this former liberal MP was thoroughly debunked because he, he, he's, he's delusional if, if he thinks that someone's going to go out and Photoshop. And, and yes, of course, the, the, the reality is that Pierre is quite popular. And I think that that is a real threat for the liberals. He's, he's got a, a lot of attention, a lot of people very enthusiastic about his campaigns. People are showing up. And if I were a liberal, I would be I would be worried too. I don't know if I would go to the extent of trying to create a conspiracy theory to try to discredit them. There's probably better ways to do that uh, than to pretend that some uh, backroom operative is sitting there like <laughs> copying and pasting people and, and putting them in, in an image. There's a you know, much better ways to spend your your time and energy as a conservative operative than that. But but I, I think you're right. I think it shows a, a broader uh, threat to the liberals, to Justin Trudeau's uh, time in, in office and his time as prime minister. And if, if Polyev can keep up the momentum and if the uh, conservatives, you know, can continue to, to stay on track with, with hammering liberals and their weakness, I think that this all poses a, a very real threat for Justin Trudeau. Okay, Harrison, I really want to talk about the Oscars because it sort of dominated the news cycle this week and there has been a sort of a lot of iterations on this on this on this slap, this this big moment from the Oscars. It's interesting because I think when I was growing up like in the 90s and 2000s, the Oscars were a relevant cultural institution. The the films that would be nominated were films that everyone would have seen. Uh you know, there, there were Oscar viewing parties where people would go and they would watch all the movies that were nominated uh, for best picture and then and, and then and then you know you'd watch the Oscars itself and find out who won. Uh, the, the last few years, I, I can't say that I've even heard of any of this of the films that were nominated. They've really gone down a woke intersectional path focused on the most obscure sort of anti-American films, films that no one's seen, films that don't really resonate with the public. And so because of that, uh, that you know these kind of award shows where you just see very arrogant elite Hollywood stars basically lecturing the public talking about how their morals are superior even though their morals are so off base so 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 removed from where the sort of typical everyday North American is in, in terms of their values and their culture there's just this this dichotomy that, that's happening uh, where where people are just tuning out no no one's watching the Oscars no one pays attention I saw clips here and there and it was just so cringy and so embarrassingly bad. You know, they were like obsessed with this Florida bill, which we're going to talk about a little later in the show, uh, that they call the Don't Say Gay bill. Uh, really, it's just a bill protecting uh, very small children from being indoctrinated with a, a, a very uh, radical sexual ideology. 
Anyway, the, the, the Oscars are just so irrelevant. Um, this year, though, something different happened. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Uh, There's this crazy scene where Chris Rock was out there making a pretty tame, mild joke about Jada Pinkett, Pinkett Smith with her, with her haircut. Apparently, he didn't know that she suffered from alopecia, which makes her hair fall out. So Jada Pinkett has her hair very uh, short. He, he made a very tame joke about it. I, I, I didn't see anything wrong with the joke. In fact, when they first cut to Will Smith after the joke, he was laughing. He was laughing at the joke, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, you see Jada Pinkett Smith's face. She gets angry and Will Smith just like loses it in, in a very, very shocking way, right? This this idea that someone tells a joke about your wife that you don't like and you go up and hit them. Harris, it almost seems staged. I don't know when I see it. It's like, how did this How did this even happen? I know some people felt that way too. That it, didn't, it, it seemed surreal because it was just so bizarre. But, but it sort of goes with this leftist idea that words are violent. And so, so words that are hurtful are violent, and therefore you can respond to words that you don't like with real violence. And then that's sort of where we have come as, as a culture. So there's just so much about this scene and, and what happened here uh, that, 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 that's so, it's, it's, so, uh, it's so much evident of where we are as a society, where we are as a culture. What, what did you think about this moment at the Oscars? For me, there's, there's two things about this that I think need to be addressed. The first is that Every time I see it, it just looks fake. I don't, I don't really understand how this actually occurred. It's two actors that might be part of it at an event that nobody is watching, at an event in which they are desperate for attention uh, and, and relevance because, frankly, people are sick of hearing political uh, diatribes every time someone wins an award uh, and, every, and every time some fake comedian or has-been goes up on the stage to try and make jokes, uh, which inevitably end up just being you know, liberal... Uh, lame liberal talking points, but the CBC, of course, never missing an opportunity, Candace, to uh, jump on a cultural issue to push their agenda. The CBC wanted to make sure that this incident actually uh, was looked at through the lens of, of course, some sort of racial uh, intersectional lens or whatever. So I want to just quickly go over the points of this article because it's insane. So the CBC writes that the Oscars incident raises questions about bad male behavior, says black community advocate. Uh, and it's, it claims that Smith's slap on rock runs the risk of inspiring racist tropes when it should raise questions about toxicity. So we're going back to the old toxic uh, m- uh, toxic masculine behavior or whatever they want to try and bring back up. And then the article writes, conversation should be directed toward di- directed more toward toxic male behavior. Uh, Tolu uh, Ilaboye, an advocate within Winnipeg's black community, said the episode raises questions about the acceptable limits of insult comedy celebrity privilege and the propensity of men to use violence. And then just for good measure, Candace, at the end, of course, they write that uh, comedians need to be more sensitive in their jokes because that's really what the problem is here, that comedians are being too are being too harsh. The article writes, Winnipeg comedian Emmanuel Lemuro said the incident should also make comics err on the side of caution if they're ever tempted to punch down at people. So there you go. I guess that's the, that's the standard they want to set. But really, Candace... No one is watching this stuff. No one cares about the Oscars anymore. And I think they're just so desperate for attention. And it's kind of obvious to see why. I mean, the, the wokeness has reached a whole new level with these people. It, it's, I think it's, it's turning people off for all, for all the right reasons. 
Well, it's one of those things too that that the the kind of idea of the Oscars has become like a parody of itself, and so they get a host that comes up and sort of gently pokes fun at all these very privileged, very elite people in the room, and and we saw it throughout throughout. I know that there was jokes about several other people, and that's typically what they do. They just go around the room and kind of make very light, gentle jokes at like whether it's Kim Kardashian or or Leonardo DiCaprio. And, and and it's kind of like, you know, if, if you're going to be a high profile celebrity, you have to be a little bit self-deprecating and recognize your extreme privilege so so that you can kind of take a joke. Right. And so the idea that that, you know, Will, Will Smith couldn't handle this joke. Well, well again, I, I emphasize the point that he laughed at first and then it was his wife that really couldn't handle it. She didn't like it at all. And so, you know, she gave she gave her husband a look and then all of a sudden he went up there and really, really overreacted. I, I, I will point out that. Um, like, I don't know exactly how much longer, but later in the, in the evening, I think it was like very shortly thereafter, like 20 minutes later, Will Smith won an Oscar and he received a standing ovation, right? So, so, so the people in the room didn't even see anything wrong with his behavior. They didn't punish him in any way. He was out at an after party later that evening, dancing and partying. And, and you told me he was singing his own rap song. Um, dancing at an to after his party. own song after winning an Oscar. <laughs> I mean, how like much he, he clearly had. That? He, he clearly had no sense of regret or remorse, right? He was he was on cloud nine, and so again, yeah, this is this is this is where we are as, as a culture. Uh, we can't take jokes. We we can't even joke about things anymore, um, and and everything boils down to intersectionality and toxic masculinity. I mean, they got the, the the guy was defending his wife who was upset. He wasn't upset. His wife was upset. So I, I'm not quite sure how, how you get get to toxic masculinity from there, and and anything about how this had an, a racial element is so absurd, Harrison, because Chris Rock and Will Smith come from the same sociocultural background. They're both about the same age. They're the same race. They have the same background. They're the same status. They're equally as famous. Like it, tr trying to put the race element on here just, just doesn't really work. But again, it shows you how obsessed our culture is with things like race and privilege and the whole woke mindset. And again, I think that's why so many people are, are just tuning out like we would not be talking about the oscars today had it not been for the fact that that that, that will smith slapped chris rock otherwise this is just totally culturally um irrelevant uh well one of the one of the other themes that i did notice at the at the oscars was just this obsession about this florida bill so i want to talk a little bit about this today too harrison it's such a such a uh, an interesting uh, just a complete difference between how a conservative government in Florida is governing when it comes to children's education with Ron DeSantos in Florida passing um, this bill called the parental rights and education bill which the media uh, erroneously call the don't say gay bill even though the bill isn't about gay per se it doesn't even have the word gay in it it's more about parental rights in protecting little kids we're talking about children aged kindergarten to grade two, I believe, or grade three. So, so like five to eight-year-olds in, in primary school. Um, uh, compare that to what's happening here in Ontario, Harrison, where we also have a conservative government with Doug Ford, and they are pushing uh, a totally opposite bill, Bill uh, 67, uh, focused on inserting uh, CRT and critical race theory and race racist division into our schools. So it's, it's, it's kind of a, a sad uh, picture that, that conservatives in our country uh, don't stand up to the woke indoctrination in education, uh, whereas in, in Florida they do. But 
anyway, Ron DeSantos, uh, the, the, the culture, the media, the Hollywood elites, basically everyone in the media uh, is, is really taking his bill out of context and saying that it's doing something that it isn't, trying to make it seem like it's bigoted or homophobic or it's going to suppress gay children. Um, you know, we're not, we're not talking about teenagers here. We're talking about very little kids. Um, and, and, and yet there's still this, this total obsession um, with opposing this bill. What do, you, what do you make of all this, Harrison? Well, the left's reaction to the entire bill, uh, in my opinion, has been a clear example of the left protesting too much making it, they're, they're really, really fighting this. And anyone who actually knows what's in the bill knows exactly, as you said, Candace, that this is about not not forcing sexual uh, leftist indoctrination onto uh, kindergarten to grade three students. Anyone who is promoting that, I think, has serious issues. But the, the idea that this needs to be fought as the left is trying to do, as companies like Disney are trying to do, is very bizarre. It's it's one of those examples of you know why are you why are you protesting this so much? What is what is what is with it that that really makes you want to push this stuff onto young kids? And I think people need to look into that. And as you said, Candace, the the contrast between the way that uh, the way that some conservative governors, some Republican governors, because not all Republican governors in the U.S. are are taking the fight. Uh, to the to the radical left as much as Governor DeSantis is, but the way that someone like Governor DeSantis is handling these uh, these radical leftist uh, bills and attempts to you know change his state compared to the way that we're getting uh, the way that a supermajority PC government in Ontario is doing, it's 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 unfortunate because as I said to you yesterday uh, in one of our meetings, we you know Governor DeSantis is providing a roadmap for conservative premiers in the country as to as to how to handle these attempts by the radical left. So we're getting in Canada, we're basically we're learning what are what the what the opponent is trying to do, and we're seeing exactly how we should combat this sort of thing. And I, I, I hope that um, that these are, you know, that notes are being taken and that something is going to be done about this in, in Ontario because if it's happening in Florida, this is exactly what's going to happen in Canada eventually. And so it's it's just disappointing to see that we're, we don't have the same quality of leadership. But as I was saying before, Candace, the the left is really really pushing back on uh, on this Florida bill. And there were some incredible clips that were released by Christopher Rufo, who has really kind of made his mark um, in documenting the CRT critical race theory world and the radical left and 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 kind of showing the world what these people are saying. And so I want to get into these two Disney executive board meeting clips because they're really, really insane. So the first clip is from the corporate president, Carrie Burke, who talks about how her, as a mother uh, of trans kids and of a pansexual kid, she really wants to see more uh, more engagement from more, more LGBTQ characters in Disney stories. So let's watch this clip and get your reaction to it. I'm here as a mother of, of two queer children, actually, um, uh, one transgender child um, um, and one pansexual child, um, and and also as a leader. Um, and that was the thing that really got me because I have heard so much from so many of my colleagues over the course of the last couple of weeks um, in open forums and through emails and phone conversations and 
um, I feel a responsibility to speak, um, not just for myself, but for them. Mm, how brave. Um, to all of us. We, we had a we had an open forum last week at 20th where, um, again, the home of, of really incredible groundbreaking LGBTQIA stories over the years where um, one of our execs stood up and said, you know, we only have a handful of queer leads in our content. And I went, what? I, that can't be true. And I and I and I realized, oh, it, it actually is true. We have many, many, many LGBTQIA characters in our stories, and 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 yet we don't have enough leads. So, Candice, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, that's just what what can you possibly say about that? Well, like there's there's so much to unpack there, right? So 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 the idea that 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 all of these people are so adamantly opposed to Ron DeSantis's bill because they want they want sexual indoctrination of little kids, like not 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 kids that are like about to hit puberty or post puberty when when like they need to start being educated on sexuality. But we're we're talking about little little kids, and and that that's the purpose of Disney. Like I I have two little kids, one year old and a three year old. I took them to Disney World last year, and the purpose is to enjoy like the magic of childhood and and imagination, not be indoctrinated with this ideology, Harrison. And and even like what she's talking about, I had to I had to Google pansexual. I don't I've never heard. Of it. I don't know what that means. I don't understand how you can have a child that's pansexual. I I, I legitimately don't understand understand what the difference between pansexual, which as I learned from Googling is just someone who's not restrained by sexuality and they may be attracted to all kinds of different types of people. That sounds like maybe someone that's bisexual to me, but regardless, you know, we, we have this new proliferation of all of these different sexual identities, this ideology that is, is being promoted by these people. Why, why would you have to have 50% of your characters identifying as this long like laundry list of, of different sexual orientations. Again, we're talking about little kids. We're, we're, not, we're not talking about teenagers. We're not talking about adults. We're talking about little, small children who don't need to be taught at all about sexuality. So the fact that this is a priority from Disney... To, to me, I think that the left is really just jump, jumping the shark on all of this. Like they're so out of touch with the everyday person, with the everyday parent. And they think that like they're encouraging each other that this is like a winning issue for them and they need to just like keep marching forward. I don't think they're realizing, Harrison, how much they're galvanizing normal parents and everyday parents against them. Because again, like I have little kids. I'm not going to just let them turn on Disney. I mean, I don't, I don't think I would have in the first place. But the idea that... A lot of parents just put their kids in front of, you know, they turn on the TV and 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 let them watch Disney. That's how I grew up watching Disney movies. And, you know, the idea that that we would just like let our little kids watch a, a station or a, a network where the president, the corporate president talks like this. It's, it's, it's really wild. Yeah, the corporate president who has... Pan, a, a pansexual child and a transgender child. That's the way she describes him. I think, I think that is basically all the evidence you need to know about where this company is headed and, and what they're doing. And it gets even it gets even crazier, Candace. So uh, that this same journalist who found that found that original clip also found a clip from an executive producer. And I'm not even going to explain it. I'm just going to play it in full so so we can react to it. It's it's unbelievable. This is the executive producer of Disney. Her name is Latoya Raveno. And this is what she had to say in her board meeting. It's like, I love Disney's content. I grew up watching, you know, all of the classics. They have been a huge, like, informative <laughs> part of my life. But at the same time, like, 
I worked at small studios most of my career and I'd heard, you know, you can hear whispers. Like I, I'd heard things like, oh, you know, they won't let you show this at a Disney show. And I'm like, okay. So I was a little like sus when I started. And, but then my experience was bafflingly the opposite of what I had heard on my little pocket of like, you know, proud family, Disney TVA, um, the showrunners were super welcoming Meredith Roberts and like the, the, our leadership over there has been so welcoming to like my, like not at all secret gay agenda. And so like, I, I feel like I there felt it like it was, I mean, like maybe it was that way in the past, but I guess like something must have happened in the last, like, like they are turning it around, they're going hard. And then all that like momentum that I felt like that sense of, I don't have to be afraid to like, let's have these two characters kiss let's in the background let's start, like i was just wherever i could just basically adding queerness to like the, if you see anything queer in the show i'm proud of them but like i, I just was like no one would stop me and no so no one was trying to stop her, Candace, when she was just trying to add queerness in every aspect of disney and there it is she admits it her not at all secret gay agenda so why any parent would subject their kids to modern disney a modern Disney movie when these people admit to you what they're doing uh, is beyond me. I, I, I completely agree. It's like she's so giddy and so excited about inserting her sexual ideology into programming meant for small children, meant for little kids who are, you know, the, the again, the purpose of these Disney films, the purpose of, of all of this entertainment is just, you know, the magic of childhood and and being innocent and, and discovering. And the idea that they're trying to essentially brainwash or insert their ideology adding queerness adding gay kisses like I, I the, the the idea that they think that this is their role this is what they think that parents want from them or that parents are going to be continuously willing uh, to, to accept is, is pretty wild. I wanted to bring up this this poll, Harris thinks it's really interesting. This is Gallup did comprehensive poll. This is Americans, not Canadians, but I'm sure that there is something similar. I'm sure the numbers are, are almost identical, but you can go through the generations and look at the proliferation of people who identify as LGBT, right? So you look back at like my parents' generation, baby boomers, 2.6% uh, of people born between 1946 and 1964 identify as a uh, as being LGBT. Uh, Gen X, 1965 to 1980, 4.2%. So we're steadily doubling with every generation. Millennials, my generation, born between 1981 and 1996, 10% uh, identify as being LGBT. And then your generation, Harrison, uh, I, don't, I don't know what happened, but uh, Gen Z, those born between 97 and 2003, 20%. So one in five people in your age group identify as being LGBT. So, so, so all, all of this is just to say that this idea of, of sexuality um, and, and, you know, how you identify, it's, it's being heavily pushed on people and, and it's working. You know, this, this not so secret gay agenda is working in making people identify more and more as LGBT, as gay. They're pushing queerness and, and it's having a real impact on the way that people live their lives. Those are staggering numbers just in you know the lifetime of people alive today, how, how much that has grown and how popular it is. So, you know, sometimes we talk about how, you know, all of this cultural push to 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 insert these kind of views in little kids, 
um, it must be turning off parents. They, 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 there's no way that they can possibly be winning this cultural war. But then you look at those numbers, and it's pretty clear that they that they are. They they are encouraging m so many people um, to 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 live in, in a lifestyle that's very very alternative. And it's not just happening in the U.S. I mean, we found this example of drag kids from CBC. Uh, they, they put out a documentary of small little kids who participate in these drag shows. We're talking about kids aged 9 to 11 who go out and, and you know, very, very, very sexualized um, performing as, as, again, little kids. This is the kind of thing that we used to protect children from. The Canadian media were all over you know, promoting it and defending it. We had you know, stories in the Global Mail, stories at CBC, CTV, uh, talking about how important this is and how it's not inherently sexual and that the people who oppose it are basically just um, bigots. So so this whole idea that, that, that children, it's like fair game to sexualize them, it's fair game to indoctrinate them with an ideology and you know, this this is where we are as a culture. It's 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 so disturbing uh, for for me as a parent, and uh, you know, it's it's so prominent. It's great to see people in Florida, people like Ronda Santos, conservatives, starting to push back. I I hope that there is more pushback against this kind of stuff in Canada as well. Okay, Harrison, I, I want to shift back to Canadian politics for a minute here because there's a pretty big news story that most media outlets just completely glossed over. So the parliamentary budget officer uh, put out a report saying that despite what the liberal government had claimed, despite what Trudeau said over and over and over again during the 2021 election, most households will see a net loss as a result of the carbon tax and the carbon tax rebate. So we heard Justin Trudeau say throughout the campaign over and over again that the carbon tax will not hurt families, will not hurt the middle class, and that most people will be better off because they are getting a rebate. A rebate. Uh, Catherine McKenna, who is a former liberal environment minister, said that eight out of 10 households will be better off because of the carbon tax because they were giving this rebate. Well, that is not true. That is not true at all. The parliamentary budget officer, you can't have a more official uh, refute than that. Uh, they said that, no, this is not true. Uh, Trudeau is lying during the election. Most Canadians will pay more as a result of the carbon tax. You know, it's so interesting, Harrison, because I know we talked about this during the election. Uh, but when it comes to the media and the role that they play in Canadian politics, they focus so heavily on fact-checking and holding the opposition to account. Anything a conservative says, they will fact-check, they will dig in, they will try to like find some small little point that's off to, to make it seem like they are not being honest. When it comes to liberals' claims, though, they basically take them at face value. They don't, they don't scrutinize them. They don't make them explain them. And then here we have six months later, it turns out that what they were saying was completely false and you barely even hear about it in the legacy media. It's such a double standard. It's such a failure to hold to account the powerful people in our society. I know we've had this conversation before, um, but what, what, do you, what do you make of the fact that the liberals just completely, uh, they don't have the same kind of accountability in the media as, as the other political parties? No, you're exactly right. We've seen this so often. This is the way it goes. The liberals will make a promise. They'll make a promise that is obviously uh, pie-in-the-sky thinking, but it sounds good and it makes for good headlines for the media, which they pay off. Then, once you know X amount of months play out, 
than the actual people who know what's going on, the parliamentary budget officer, or in another example, for ex- in another example, the ethics commissioner, right? Then they come in, refute the liberal claims, prove to people that what the liberals are telling you uh, is not actually true. You're not going to actually get money back from this carbon tax scheme. All that's going to happen is just going to be a net loss for you and a net loss for the Canadian economy. But once those reports come out, people, the, the majority of Canadian of the Canadian population aren't aren't checking the aren't checking the parliamentary budget officer's report. So the media knows this. As long as they don't cover the the actual, you know, the facts after uh, the claim has been made, then it doesn't matter because it, it, it works out for the liberals. So the media gets what they want, the liberals get what they want, and as you said, Candace, the opposition is held to a uh, far uh, harsher standard. And that's just a constant that I think politicians in this country and Canadians should come to realize that the 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 cards are stacked against the conservatives and the opposition in this country and those that those that pay up for the media shockingly get better headlines and get better coverage <laughs> yeah yeah it's almost it's almost like the trudeau government pays the media oh wait they do they do well harris is april 1st so uh, none of this has been an april fool's day joke it's all it's all very real sadly uh, one, one one other thing that is real that is as of today the federal carbon tax will go up so there is a 25 percent increase in the federal carbon tax uh, going up a total of $50 per ton of emissions. So you expect to pay about two more cents uh, at the pumps uh, per liter uh, of gas. Also, uh, the the members of parliament MPs will give themselves a pay raise uh, as of today because, you know, what, we've got what, uh, hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars in debt and deficit. And here we have politicians giving themselves a raise. Why not? Um, <laughs> that's that's sort of the magical world of budgets will balance themselves. Um, Justin Trudeau's fiscal policy. Uh, well, he doesn't he doesn't think of a monetary policy. Remember, he told us that during the election as well. So Canada's finances are, are a complete and total mess, and they are just going to get worse. Uh, the, the the pocketbook issues. Uh, people are going to start paying more for everything, and it's it's one of the things. Just to to go full circle is why. Uh, so many people are showing up to conservative rallies. So many people are, you know, excited and enthusiastic about someone like Pierre Polyev, who is really talking about this stuff and and bringing it to the forefront of the national conversation. It's because Canadians are sick and tired of the amount of money that they're paying. And again, as of today, they're paying even more. So Harrison, thank you so much for joining us here on Fake News Friday. It's always uh, fun to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Happy to be here, Candice. Thank you. All right, that's Harrison Faulkner, True North journalist. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.